to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Hey everybody, welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Special Mikey. Along with me is Super Vegan Brian. Hey everybody. Also with me is, we have crossover guests today, because today we don't only have one guest, we have two. We have Mike Myler, or Mike Prime, there I told you I'd do it. Hey everybody, and, it's Mike Prime, what's good? <laughs> and... Brent Bowser, I keep looking at your last name and I can't decide if it's real or not. Yeah, it's it is real. I like your last name. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Thank you. It goes over well with the Italians. <laughs> it goes over well with the Italians. It's a Mussolini joke, not a plumber. You oh. know, if if you're cracking up that much over every of of things Brent says, you're not going to make it through the episode because he is a funny man. I'm not. I'm going to have an aneurysm by the time this episode ends. Oh, I love it. So. But today we have you have we have both on. It's going to be great, and because I'm going to really enjoy this episode. Tell you the well, truth. Let's let's let them introduce themselves real quick. I know, Brian. I'm trying to get to it. I'm just oh, so okay, fine. I'm backseat producing. Go ahead. I'm I'm really excited because I like both of these guys. Brent makes me laugh really freaking hard, especially when he was talking about wrestling. And then Mike Myler, you know, he created our widget system and he's uh, an insanely great veteran game designer who just honestly, he should be a comedian, too, because of half the shit he says to me and all the words that you think are made up. I used to be a comedian uh, 20 years ago. Oh, dust off the mic. Yep. You and you and Brent can, you know, form a comedy duo. Brent used to be a comedian 20 years ago, too. No, he's coming back. <laughs> well, he's, yeah, and running, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, not a lot of running, uh, a lot of driving, really. <laughs> he, he gets cramps just from thinking about running. <laughs> so, but, you know, it, it's been a little bit since we've had you on, Brent. Uh, why don't you uh, maybe tell us something about yourself? You know, what's your nerdy for the... For the maybe the new listeners. Uh, so for the new listeners, my nerdy is that uh, well, I'm currently the venture captain uh, for Pathfinder Organized Play in the Cincinnati and Dayton area. Um, mm. Been Dayton. involved in organized play for probably six or seven years now. Uh, aside from that, uh, my other huge nerdy aspect is uh, my debut comedy album, Too Soon, uh, was. <laughs> The artwork was Days of Future Past themed, and I named all my tracks after X-Men characters. That's awesome. Holy shit. You didn't share that with us last time. That's pretty awesome. No, you didn't. <laughs> oh, you just got cooler, dude. Oh, man. Well, wait till wait till the next segment. <laughs> how, do people, how do people find that album? Uh, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. If you but what is, what is... Yeah. Uh, so you'll need to search for Vincent Holiday. And the album is too soon. It's like oh, it Vincent Valentine, but more generic. Vincent Holiday. Let's see. Okay, open Chrome. While Michael is looking stuff up, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike, give your short intro. Sure, I'm yeah, Mike Miller. I make RPG books. I'm the editor of the Ian Sider Patreon. Uh, currently, I'm running a Kickstarter called Imperial Matchmaker. There's a bunch of awesome free stuff that you can download for it. Uh, all eight of the free things are illustrated by audio or uh, Claudio Poses, who is an amazing artist that works on stuff like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and what I'm very lucky, my things. Are we doing the nerdy stuff already or, or should I just... We're falling into that one next. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, go Mike check out my stuff on MikeMyler.com. I do Pathfinder and I do 5e and I do Shadow of the Demon. 
that's going to be amazing. Oh, 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 shit. And I should mention. And one other thing. Uh, yeah, uh, the Now RPG, which is part of the What's Old is New RPG, is being used with uh, uh, Judge Dredd. Like the Judge Dredd, like official upcoming RPG. Judge, Judge Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, I did not know that when I did all the writing for it three years ago. So that's that's kind of like, what? If I had known that. Like I would have included many more like Judge Dreddy things, but I'm sure they would have actually. I would have actually tried. No, I did. I definitely tried. I definitely tried. It was a hundred thousand words. There's you can't do that without trying. But um, exactly. yeah, I would have. There would have been a little. It would have been more grim had I known that I was doing like 1980s action movies, and I'm sure he's included more grim elements. But like, yeah, it's really cool. I'm can't. All wait joking to... aside, I do believe you are an amazing game designer, and I know you did your best. Oh well, yes. So that being said, though. Brian, you know, I noticed something today. We have both heavily Pathfinder-involved guests today. Does that have anything to do with our topic? Well, our topic today is Pathfinder 2nd Edition. But but 2nd Edition? Well, we're going to get into that really quick because, ooh, 2nd Edition. Well, I just turned into a kid show host. <laughs> but first... But first, let's play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You. Brian, how do we play that? Well... In What's Nerdy With You, the four of us will be sharing the nerdiest thing we did this week. And then at the end, we will use the Mike Myler patented widget system to decide who won. And since there are four of us, each of us will get five widgets that we will allocate between each other and decide who wins. And the winner takes the widgets home. Yay! So so So, all I have to say is, Brent, what's nerdy with you? So the nerdiest that I worked on was actually... Getting ready to map out uh, my second album. Uh, I'll be recording that at the end of May, and I settled on uh, calling this one "Final Thoughts" because uh, I don't know if I'm going to really want to do more comedy after this. So this will kind of be my final fantasy. Oh my god! You need to name that. That needs to be your album. Yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, I've commissioned artwork that's going to be very Final Fantasy themed, and I've uh, already started kind of plotting out uh the track titles are all going to be off the job system so when i talk about my pets that's summoner uh when i talk about guys with flame throwers getting rid of blizzards that's black mage my (laughs) my joke about how uh, my my self-righteousness tends to uh tank the audience either with their mood or literally i draw all their aggro Uh, i called that one paladin so So, yeah, just, best. just been working on uh, on the second album and keeping a very Final Fantasy theme about it. I love that. That is that's awesome. I love that. Uh, but Mike Prime, what's nerdy with you? Um, in addition to getting to be the editor of Free Insider, uh, the Morris asked me to start statting up mythological figures. So uh, I already had Achilles and Sir Lancelot went up there, and then I sent in Miyamoto Musashi. Uh, and these are all like builds for fifth edition. Uh, so there's like a fifth edition Miyamoto Masashi coming up. And then I did uh, Joan of Arc, which actually involved reading up a bunch about Joan of Arc, which I thought she was like, I thought she did more fighting. Uh, but apparently that, that was not the case. Apparently that would have been very difficult to persuade people if she was rolling around killing a bunch. Uh, she definitely <clears throat> like got people to fight and was involved with battles, but wasn't like out there with a sword all the time slaying folks. But um. Yeah, I, I think I made a pretty good build for. Her. I, I spent a lot nice. of time being like, okay, well, I mean, like, okay, so I, I went with, um, if I remember correctly, she's a bard and then a fighter, and then she has two levels of paladin. Just holy little, shit, 
dash of of divinity in there. I like that. Would you do? Would uh, you said you built Miyamoto Musashi? He's one of my like heroes. I love that. Uh, I have a copy of his Book of the Five Rings. Uh, so how did you do his build? Uh, let me look it up really quick. I'm pretty sure he is a uh, straight samurai. Well, I mean, I couldn't. So <laughs> one of the annoying things about Five E is that not all the rules are on the SRD. Uh, one of the things that is not is the samurai. But there is a he is a quote unquote samurai warrior with very similarly. Similar abilities that are worded differently because I don't want to get sued. Um, but yeah, he's a 18th level fighter. And then I picked up a bunch of feats for him to have uh, maneuvers in addition to his uh, quote unquote samurai warrior abilities. Oh, that's good. He's, he's pretty, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty nasty customer. I got well, with how he fights. You could have, uh, and his origins for his beginnings, you he could have technically put a, a level of barbarian or just straight fighter in there. I was considering a little bit of rogue. Because he, he he loved to fuck with people. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. He could have you could have gave him at least a level of rogue. My he favorite also story. I my gave favorite him a lot of story. intimidation. Oh, am I muted? No, I'm not. Muted. No, you're good. What's your favorite? No, story? Go ahead. My favorite story about Musashi is um, when he was ambushed in the bathtub. Tell us. Well, he oh, was. Oh, I remember it, this story. When he um, he they he was always notorious about being prepared for everything and they thought that there was no way he could be prepared in the bathtub and he had um he had a lacquered wooden sword in the bath with him <laughs> so it would so it would be resistant to the water and he kicked like six guys asses with a wooden sword but naked dude okay and- first of all he almost never had armor second of all he beat the shit out of a ton of people with a bakken a wooden sword a ton of people, and they all had like real blades. One of these guys was named the Demon of the Western Provinces, and he had a two-handed Nodachi, and was he still the, got his ass beat. Was that the guy that he beat when he was like ten years old? Because that uh, story is pretty good too. No, so the, so what, no, that so was on the there, that was the that was the beachfront uh, duel, wasn't it? A dude rolled up when he was just thirteen. This fifteen-year-old guy trying to get like accredited, you know, get some get some rep, and he put out a public challenge, and Musashi answered the challenge, and then like his uncle found out he's like you crazy little bastard you're not gonna fight this guy and so then he takes this you know musashi to go and and apologize and instead he pushes his uncle down and grabs a staff and beats the shit out of this dude it, with it was an oar no the no, oar no no this, that's a different fight a couple people with the oar the oar was a multiple man fight he used yeah. it several times but the first time he used End it story. i can't the guy's name research musashi this guy is unbelievable i love yeah. this dude he's amazing plus um at towards the end of his life when he was uh he when he was except when he was doing his final dual acceptances because he didn't go out after a while they started coming to him mm-hmm. and he vowed to never use a real sword again because he it was too easy for him to use a real sword and then even then at the very end like his last he started he vowed i'm never killing anybody else like he's like i'm not gonna kill anybody because he, he wanted he was tired of taking people's lives he wanted them to be able to learn more uh i think the coolest thing is is how he died so for how he died first of all it was they think it was thoracic cancer but he like knew it so he he like called people to him and was like hey today's the day and then they all like showed up and he went up to this temple and he just sort of like bent down on one knee yeah he, he seated himself with one knee vertically raised held a sword with his left hand and a cane in his right hand and then just died like that that he's how he's fucking definition of boss are you you Dude. like motherfucker like oh my god oh 
Because that was just him being like, you know what? I'm giving up my will to live. There it goes. Like, ah! on my, terms. my favorite yeah, thing much. about Musashi is how much hype there is in the um, Kenjutsu and Iaido community about Musashi. You can buy an or practice sword. <laughs> nice. Nice. Because I used to be involved in Iaido and Kenjutsu. And um, when you, you I, I would shop for Bokens all the time. And ors are really popular. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why wouldn't uh. they be? Yeah, Musashi's win. Well, you know, the you know, the reason why he started using that doll is because the ore is because he needed he technically needed he technically needed length because the guy he was fighting he he had uh, his sword which I believe was another Nodachi um was considered the the wash line pole technique. It was like there was there there were rumors that this guy could pick the wings off of birds without having to jump. And so he was he needed the length. Also, he the way he beat the guy, you know, he basically just beat him by pissing him off because he showed up like three hours late for their duel. Forget oh, about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. We're just going to talk about Musashi for the rest of the, the episode. I thought the fight was Sorry, like a Brent. multiple dudes fight. I thought he was like... <laughs> His first... He did fight oh multiple God. guys. He did fight multiple guys with with the ore. He did do several fights, but the first fight he did where he actually took an ore and carved it was against this guy. I cannot remember his name. Okay, but... so no, he had carved it down to a bucket. And he, he, the guy you're thinking of is Sasaka, uh, Sas- Sasaki Kojiro. Kojiro Thank you. Actually, because yeah. the O you pulled He was out. a very famous... He was very famous and very talented. Yeah. For my uh, yeah. nerdy thing this week. <laughs> Brian, what's nerdy with you? <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're at 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, for my nerdy thing this week, I saw Ready Player One. It's not one. about Musashi. Yeah, I saw Ready Player One, and it that's not in itself nerdy because it's a big popular movie right now and everybody's seeing it. Um, but I watched this movie, and immediately after the movie was over, I called my fiance and went, they referenced the tomb, of, the tomb of Horrors in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so psyched about the Tomb of Horrors reference that that it like through the entire movie. I'm just like giggling and happy because the Tomb of Horrors was referenced in this movie. I felt like such a nerd. That's um, non spoiler review. It was good. <laughs> non spoiler review. It was good. So uh, many pop culture references. Yeah, I'd. I want to see it because the story sounds really good. Plus, I want to see if I can spot all the. Well, it's not going to be hard to spot all the Easter eggs, I'm sure. Uh, actually, it is. Yeah, there's a ton. It's there's it's so many. You're going to miss a lot. It, yeah, yeah, it's probably going to be the most rewatched movie of all time. Oh, I guarantee there's it. There's so many. Yeah, just to make people like pause it and screen cap and yeah. Oh yeah. There were a few that it was like a cartoon character would show up on screen for not enough time for me to register what it was and try to think about what it was that I want to see it again. It, Somebody's going to watch it for 36 hours, just freeze framing it and taking screenshots of all of these like split second show ups. There were also some obscure eighties toy references that I would see it and go, I remember that kind of, I don't remember <laughs> what they were called. <laughs> uh, um, Michael, what was nerdy with you this week? What was nerdy with me this week? Well, I'm going to take you guys all the way back to last Saturday. And I, 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 well, this is actually going to take a little bit past that. I'm Jesus Christ. Just talk about it. I was, I was a holdout. Okay. I didn't, I thought I have my 360 elite. I have my games. I don't need a new system. I don't need anything. I'm fine. I'll be great. 
and then, then I noticed some of the games that were announced for new consoles, and I and I thought, oh, maybe I'll get a new one. And I talked to my wife, and she goes, okay, you can get a new one, but the ter- the stipulation is you have to get rid of your 360. I don't really want you just having two consoles and having one just sit there. And I was like, okay. Well, I finally, and I, at first I was like, no, I'm fine. I'll just live with this way. And I'll save my, my secret money in, uh, in my Chewbacca change jar and buy it myself. And then a little bit down the road, then like a, two days later, I said, you know what? I'm giving up the 360. So I walked into GameStop last Saturday with my 360 and like 25 360 games. Um, my wife's Gen 1 Wii with all the components and like five games, I think it was. And I picked up my brand new uh, one terabyte hard drive PlayStation 4 with $240 credit. That's uh, I'm trying to trying to work that out. So what they give you? A hundred bucks for that Xbox? They gave you About. ten dollars for the Wii. Maybe I had five dollars for the Wii games. I had a before the I had a hundred fifty dollars credit before I uh, put turned in all that stuff. Xbox. Yeah, just oh. in games at $150 in credit. I okay. got $13 for a NASCAR racing game. That's not bad. That's twelve fifty more than I thought I would get. Yeah. Yeah, so for all that, yeah, I got and that and so so I paid basically $40 out of pocket. That for the that, for the system Is that itself. the end of the story? For me, yeah, from considering I went to GameStop and I got that much credit for my system and everything. Yeah, and then I've been nerding out about it all week. I've been uh, Are you going to pick up a, a headset? Uh yeah, I'm gonna pick up a headset probably next month. I just have the little the little earpiece right now that comes with the brand new systems. It's oh no, I meant like a, a VR headset. Oh yeah, that yes. Um, so me and, me, well, me and my wife talked about. It, I was like, so do you want to get it for like Christmas? She goes, no, we're gonna get it for like our anniversary in August. Hell, we might get it and say it's your Father's Day present, but it's gonna be for me. <laughs> so a little like, behind I, the scenes, a little behind the scenes, folks. I write notes while we're doing this, and I have Brent, Mike, Prime. Brian and Michael written down and on next to Brent, I have written down. There's a thing on the top that says, what, what did they do nerdy this week and how nerdy was it? So Brent, I got album, final fantasy, Mike prime. He's also the editor of, of this thing. And he, he wrote about Musashi. Awesome. Brian, ready player one, not really nerdy, but you know, kind of nerdy. Michael, not a damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) You traded you traded a console for another console. You traded two consoles for one console. That's that's kind of an anti-nerdy. I mean, like a, a little bit. It's not. I don't know. If it was, I, if you were getting like a Neo Geo effort, I will give you credit for effort. Did did Michael finally finally get fed up with my bullying and and leave? He went to go play PS4. Yeah. Like fuck this. I got a PS4. Michael Michael left. Oh really? Yeah. I, I bullied him. Okay, so everybody voting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we thought I bullied you off the podcast for the first time. All right. So, Brent, you have five widgets. Who do they go to? Um, you know what? I'll give you two widgets. Um, I want to give Brian three widgets. So, Mike or Michael got two? Oh, um, Mike Prime. Mike Prime. Uh, uh, Mike, yeah, not Mike Prime. Oh, all right, I'm at zero. All right, Mike Prime, what are you doing? I will award. Was that you unloading the widgets? No, yeah, yeah, that was a widget unload. <laughs> uh, we'll give two to Brent. Um, 
one to, to you, Brian, and then two for Michael. Um, I am going to give all five of my widgets to Brent. Suck up. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael? Three to Prime, two to Brent, and my negative one to Brian. <laughs> oh, God. Negative widgets. I hadn't even thought about negative widgets. They don't get used that often. We added that to the game a little while back. Whoever Usually gets, it has to do with me being really gave, mean. And gave gets, Dylan an aneurysm when he was almost done with his widgets counting system. No, no. Whoever whoever gets the uh, the like the lowest score should get to carry over at least one negative widget to the next. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Told you he was going to game it more. Yeah, yeah, let's see how 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 much of the podcast ends up being what's nerdy with you. It's like we finished what's nerdy with you. We're going to talk about Pathfinder Two E. Pathfinder Two E is a thing. All right, we're wrapping it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what, Michael? I love you. You're such a good friend, and I'm sorry I was so hard on you. You're plenty nerdy. Um, I I just you know I'm sorry. Damn guys, he apologized. Shut the fuck up, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was, I was about to. I was about to say I broke him. <laughs> uh, so what are we yes. talking about today? Today we're going to talk about Pathfinder Second Edition. What? Yeah. What's up with that, Brian? Um. Oh, you're you're actually delegating. Um. What's up with Pathfinder Second Edition is that Paizo announced not too long ago, just a few weeks ago, that they are doing a second edition of the Pathfinder role playing game. It is ten years coming. The uh, playtest is coming out in August, so the actual game isn't coming out in August. But at Gen Con this year, they're releasing a playtest, and they're actually making a hardback book and a collectible book and a paperback book and a PDF. And um, in addition to that, they're doing a super adventure that players can play different levels all the way up to 20th. And it should be pointed out that the PDF for the playtest is totally free. Yes. 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 The PDF is free. You cannot buy the books for free. The free, the cost of money print the books. You have yeah. to pay them for a book. I know somebody books, here who did pre-orders. That would be me. Yeah. Uh, the, what well, all did you do the pre-orders on? Um, I ordered a paperback, a hardback, and a collector's edition, and the adventure. You bought all three uh, for the book. Yeah. For the book. Yeah. Wow. Well, they're only did doing you? one printing. And oh, you can true. always go into cons and stuff. You can get them to sign like your your hardback yeah. and keep it in nice condition and all that shit. Holy crap! I didn't even think about. It. Yeah, I I'm probably gonna order a second paperback too. That's cool. That'd be awesome, actually. If you're uh, buying all these books, I just to remind you, I'm running a Kickstarter right now, Brian. Just, you know. Well, I don't have any money left anymore, Mike. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a long time coming. Ten years, as far as RPG cycles go, is extremely long. Most RPG, you can expect them to do a new edition within. Uh, six, seven years. So ten is is uh, like uh, like the that's like wasn't there like almost a twenty year gap between uh, Dungeons and Dragons Advanced and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and Third Edition? Um, sort of, kind of. Uh, there were a lot of weird internal editions for the first two editions of Dungeons and Dragons. Like, there's I think I think three or four iterations of the first edition, and then second edition itself has. I feel at least three iterations. So sort of they, they changed the structure and like started doing proper editions and three, you know, the 3.5 and then fourth. Right. <laughs> he, he got really quiet when he said fourth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, fourth edition. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is. Dungeons and Dragons. Gauntlet, just, I mean, it it, gauntlet. 
it yeah. introduced a lot of people to the Pathfinder role playing game. I mean, it did do that. It did. It did. <laughs> uh, um, the um, the big question I have is why are they doing a second edition? And let's just get everybody's take on this. Brent, w- what is your take on it? Why are they doing a second edition? Um, I feel like you have to at this point. Uh, it's gaming in general uh, is probably you know bigger now than it has ever been, uh, and that transition to get into more tabletop, you really need to look at what has drawn people in in the first place. Uh, you've got World of Warcraft, which is what a 10, 12 years strong. Um, I mean, it's its numbers have dwindled, but those numbers being made up in Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, you have Skyrim, which is like an insanely, insanely popular, uh, best-selling copy. People are still playing it, and it's probably six years old or something like that. Uh, there's well, a lot. I, I fire up Baldur's Gate once a week. Yeah, there's just <laughs> um, the the video game the video game genre has really pushed what people's expectations of a role playing game are and what the what they're capable of and how the systems work. Um, and I feel like there's always kind of been a little bit of back and forth between that. I mean, the very first Final Fantasy still had spell slots before going to mana, but it had a uh, increasing number for armor class when Thacko was still a thing. So I feel like a lot of people's expectations of what a role-playing experience and what a role-playing system are is much different than what uh, what Pathfinder and the 3.5 engine is currently offering people. Uh, Mathfinder is what we've affectionately dubbed the system. I agree with that completely. It definitely is a ridiculously complicated system. I mean, when you throw the Advanced Player's Guide on top of the core rulebook, it turns into one of the most complicated role-playing games. Oh, see, I, I don't know if I'm with you guys on this so much. What you're talking about is generally the the wider acceptance of the, and popularity of the fantasy genre, period, right? The fact that video games are getting better and that there are more fantasy games and, like, Skyrim gets a ton of cred is, is dope. But, like, how that translates to tabletop RPGs is not nearly, I think, as, as like, uh, if you were to survey new RPG gamers, I think you'd find a lot of people who got into board games and then got into RPGs or who caught onto the, this whole crazy streaming wave. Like, there are billboards for D&D actual play games. Like, physical billboards that people pay thousands of dollars to put up on, on highways. Like, that's huge! There's well, never I been think, anything like um, that before. You know, Brent and I come from an organized play background. Yeah. And from my experience, we're not, a lot of people who are jumping in for the first time in organized play, most of them are coming from a video game. I mean, they even use video game terminology when they're playing. Yeah, DPS. I hear a lot of DPS. Right. I'm the tank, or I've always wanted to try this. Um, my, it's one of people's like, first experience. It's, that's the, the thorn some of the in distance my... for me, right? Because 4th edition was meant to bring in MMORPG players. They were told mm-hmm. specifically when designing it, like, hey, we want to get this MMORPG market. And it fell flat on its face. So the like the transition from there seems like it's a hard one. The thorn in my side that when anybody ever says it is, I rolled up another tune, and I'm like, you, you, what? And, and it, it bothered me for so long, and I'm like, this isn't a video game, <laughs> right? Well, and I guess as far as like design wise, I feel like Fourth Edition did a fantastic job of trying to design. Oh yeah, of, definitely. If they had of, called it Gauntlet, it would have been fucking bananas everywhere, right? But what you have in Skyrim, for example, is honestly a classless system. Uh, I actually had a a woman come up interested in Pathfinder and 
I was like, okay, so what do you like to do? I didn't, you don't talk about what class do you want to play? Cause they don't, they're not familiar with that, but what do you want to do? And she said, I want to be like lightning. I want to be a badass fighter and I want to cast spells. And you know, that's with Skyrim, you know, you're walking around in full plate armor and throwing fireballs at people. But it's the same with oblivion, which was the game that came before Skyrim and was also massively popular. Right. And that's what the experience that I'm trying to convey is that it's, Yes, there's like the MMO aspect of of things, um, and people kind of want to have a variety of different characters that they can play. Um, in fourteen, you know, you can switch your one character, but you're all the classes. They want to do crafting, they want to do social stuff, they want to. They don't necessarily want to sit down and crunch numbers to find the best archetype and level dips into. <laughs> you know, they they're not necessarily as rules crunchy as the current pathfinder system allows they kind of just want to sit in and do what they want to do and have as much loose fun with the rules as possible and do you think that that has more to do with skyrim than it does like streaming services and games like that um i feel like the streaming services um from a from an entertainment standpoint i think they are more i mean when you look at something like like harman quest and critical role Mm -hmm. um gosh even uh adventure zone a lot of critique a lot of the two major things I hear from them are, oh my gosh, they're so funny. They really have a great time. And they don't really know the rules. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's, the, um, it's very loose. So that's why I would think, like, okay, well, they see that and they're like, oh, well, I can just, you know, whatever. Oh. Well, that's because, you know, the only person who, there are only two people that, like, at least in the critical role stances, that the only two people who really have a heavy D&D knowledge was Liam O'Brien and Matt, Matthew Mercer, because they'd both been playing for years. Everybody else came in brand new. So they're, even though they've played for as long as they have now, they're, they're only learned. They've only learned the specific rules to their character, and then, you know, and like a lot of players do anyway, is they don't really either unpack it, either unpack the rules until they use them, or they just don't remember. But, but anyway, at the same time, isn't that the point of like Pathfinder? And to touch on the other thing you guys were talking about, would it be have fun? The most complicated game, right? By adding the advanced players guide, that's not true at all. If you just look at the champions or heroes books, dude, those things look like dictionaries. They're huge. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. massive. Yeah, they do. But to that end, I think that they've definitely run out of or started to run out of design space. Like if you look at the what's the most recent Beast Series six? Yeah. There's yeah. some really, really like I could see Adam Daigle was like really stretching, you know? Like they're just running out of stuff to do. They've done horror, they've done occult, they've done guns, they've done samurai, they've done what what do you want from them? They have like dudes with space guns even if you want right. to get into the Iron Gods. Like they have covered pretty much every large design field i think that they're interested in covering and think that they can make their money back on right and to piggyback onto that point um their last two books um the ultimate wilderness did a lot of reprints of uh like feats and archetypes and spells from other splat books that they had previously already done and sometimes they retooled them most of the time they did not they just reprinted it to i yeah, most of the reprinted stuff was from campaign material. So right. they were taking was, campaign material and pr- putting it into a rule book. So right. now we know why that was, because right. they and were devoting people to work on Pathfinder. Right, so, and then uh, the book that kind of came out congruently with that was literally just a reprint of like, hey, here's a collection of everything. So just buy this one book so you don't have to go buy all of them. And I mean, from a consumer perspective, that's great because I will spend uh, nine ninety nine on the uh, on the PDF on the one PDF to get 
kind of like a greatest hits as opposed to, you know, $80 to buy each individual book that I want. Uh, I guess maybe from a design standpoint, maybe I'm being a little critical of this, but I feel like, well, I'm out of ideas, but I got to make money somehow. So uh, greatest hits album. Let's have the Rolling Stones go on tour one more time. We've got a mortgage to pay. Yeah, they need to. They need people to be doing something like so. Uh, I don't know. You could kind of see that they were doing that. They had something planned with yeah. like the way they were moving people around in development and hiring and stuff like that. Because I was like, why are you hiring Luis Loza and Jason Tondro to continue work on the Pathfinder line with Starfinder just released? That doesn't make any fucking sense, right? <laughs> like, I know you need to move resources to Starfinder, but like, wouldn't that just slow your Pathfinder product? Like, are you actually trying to? support both at once at the same strength because that doesn't seem to make sense either so yeah yeah you can't see it coming so with the second edition we have been told all sorts of things that are coming out they've really told us a lot so um the way we'll do this in group environment is we'll just throw a favorite rule that's been thrown out there each and we'll just discuss and if you can't think of something someone else will chime something in so um brent um what's your favorite thing that you've heard about so far i'm gonna head you off really quick all right so on en world on the let you finish forum, but hold up yeah i'm um, no brent i want you to go but on the en world forum <laughs> if you look up pathfinder second edition compiled info there is an amazing post that yes. has all of the information they released everywhere so if you want to like see what the hell we're talking about en world Pathfinder second edition compiled info. Okay, Brent. That's so that's so coincidental. I happen to have that open in front of me right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a ton of stuff and everywhere, so I don't want people to be like, oh, what the hell? Where can I find this? Like, you know, EN World Pathfinder second edition compiled info. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it was a it's a very great site. I uh, I had actually looked at it myself. So, Brent, what's uh, your favorite? So, from Anything? what they what they have proposed, um, I think. What I'm most excited about is the idea of uh, the different feats, so uh, uh, job feats and like general feats. And the feats are all rolled into classes now, right? And heritage feats. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was something else that kind of you know really, if you feel like I always kind of liked racial feats, honestly. You know, kind of made me want to actually play that race and, and make them more give, give them some more personality aside from well i'm going to play this one because they have i'm going to be a cleric and they have a bonus to wisdom like it's more than just numbers for me at this point it's the special abilities um i guess from a, a world of warcraft perspective um your stats don't really matter because you're all going to get the same gear and the only difference is going to be like one or two but what is it about your particular race that makes you more inclined to play this kind of character or this kind of role you also have your option to advance your race after you've gone up in level like you can go a little bit further into your racial heritage your ancestry yeah it's not just like i start off and i'm this and i'm this forever you can like i'm this and then this is going to get better and that's cool yeah. it's cool to be able to be like i'm the elfiest of elves <laughs> yes i'm <laughs> i'm the most elf that you could possibly ever elf yeah, 3.0 had these cool Paragon classes that I, was, I thought were really neat. They weren't like full level 20 classes. I was going yeah. to bring it up. The Paragon class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah, was I, in I, I Unearthed Arcana from 3.5. I don't know about this one. Yeah, you could play an elf. You the could play an elf, of elf. Paragon. And you'd think like five or three levels into it and you'd get some, some pretty cool bonuses. Yeah, they were like little multi they were like little multi-class classes that you they they had like three or four <laughs> levels. Baby and, prestige classes. Yeah, if you did like a half orc one, you could um, 
end up being more like an orc or more like a human by the end. You get to pick. Yeah, they were Ooh. they were definitely very cool. So, so you'd be like fighter three, half orc two. Okay, that's cool. I like that one. I I, I had never heard of that before. Yeah, it was a neat concept. I still have an Arthur Cannon in a box in the garage. <laughs> nice. Um, Mike, what's your what's your favorite thing that's been brought up in the new rules? You know, I'm still really a big fan of the shield thing. It sounds like they've they've taken the concept of shields and broke it down to the very basic components and then rebuilt it in a fashion that feels much more like you are actually using a shield. How does the shield thing work? All right. So um, from my understanding, it's that you you carry it around and you get like a shitty bonus if you just got it like on your arm. But if you're actively using it, uh, then you can um, your bonus to AC goes up and it soaks damage. Like you take whatever the damage that you would be dealt and you subtract the shield's hardness from it. So like the shield has genuine utility. So this as, is this oh, wow. is this is actually how it works. I listen to the podcast. Um, you don't get any bonus at all for carrying the shield. Oh, no bonus at all for carrying. Okay. And one of your actions has to be readying the shield. If you do that, you get a bonus to the shield. You get like a plus two bonus to your armor class. Um, in addition to that, you get a reaction that if you get hit, you can let the shield hardness soak up some of the damage. So if the attack doesn't do more than the hardness of the shield, your shield is fine and you take no damage. Yeah, that sounds dope. In addition to that, the shield spell acts like readying a shield and it gives you a reaction to shield block. That's what the reaction is called. Magic missile. What? And it's a cantrip. Nice. It's the a shield cantrip? Spell is a cantrip. You can cast that sounds it as many dope. And it only takes one action to cast a shield spell. So it gives um, casters the ability to ready a shield. And most ca- most spells are two actions to cast, right? Most spells are two actions. Uh, and the way that works is um, depending on how many components it has. So if it has a verbal, somatic, and material component, it's three actions. If it just has a verbal, somatic component, it's two. Yeah. If it has a verbal component, it's one. And a and shield to, has a verbal component. To be clear, you get three actions around. They've simplified actions for Pathfinder 2nd Edition, uh, which is another good move. I mean, you can see a lot of really smart moves where they were like, People have been taking notes for 10 years on things they would change. And uh, I don't know. What do you think about the game modes? I'm definitely down with different game modes. So like the rules and and everything assume that you're either in an encounter or an exploration or in downtime and things that like the mechanics change depending on what game mode you're in. I I'm very much for that. Uh, I I like it. I think it's certainly simplifies things instead of, uh, you know, trying to, shoehorn a character into different uh well i i wish i was describing this better shoehorn one rule set into all the different modes out there it makes it makes me feel like a ranger is going to be important like i can tell oh yeah the ranger in exploration oh yes that's going to be that guy's focus right and yeah. before you, you you could see that they were just trying to force it yeah like with favorite terrain and all that uh, yeah i i feel like uh i feel like it's a good thing instead of trying to take uh, you know the standard rule set of okay, these are my skill checks and then these are my class abilities and then how do I try and make this work for social combat how do I do this for a stealth mission how do I do this for you know just uh, I just, I just want to do crafting and exploring it's like you know you have one rule set that you're trying to encompass all these different play styles to do I feel like breaking that up into the three different modes one of my favorite things about the modes is how 
they affect initiative. Um, well, so in the newest edition, like that's what, and, and so far from what I'm understanding in this, <clears throat> in second edition, there's really not going to be an initiative. There is an initiative. Mm-hmm. There well, is I, an it's initi- not an initiative score. You use There's no initiative score or uh, insight or this, was, what yeah, this is what I wanted to explain to me because I wasn't getting it. Yeah, so the, oh, go ahead, Brian. Uh, the way it works is um, you describe your actions during expiration. So let's say there are two fighters in the front and they have their weapons out and they're ready for anything. You have a ranger that's checking for tracks along the way. You have a rogue that's sticking to the shadows and trying to remain unseen. And you have a wizard who is, um, you know, looking at his arcane texts and casting detect magic every once in a while. The fighters, once the encounter mode starts, they roll perception for initiative. They use their perception skill. The ranger, if the tracks actually come into play, they roll their survival check for initiative. The rogue rolls stealth for initiative. And then the wizard rolls perception for initiative um, and then gets a free arcana reaction at the beginning of the of the beginning of the combat because now all recall knowledge and knowledges and stuff like that take an action did i did i describe that well yes okay that makes it a little that makes a little bit more sense there is initiative but it's not a a standardized score it's based on on class and perception yeah and i think situation i think the most exciting thing about it is is it gives you so much more use of skills because you could What's up to GM discretion is if a player is trying to speak to the enemy rather than fight them, they could use their diplomacy role for initiative. Okay. Whoa. Okay. So that that adds a little bit more funness to it. Yeah. That and and it gives rogues like a tangible way to use stealth all the time. <laughs> it also think about it from the monster perspective. Most initiatives are going to be perception versus stealth. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's very true. I like that. So yeah, I, that, I can't lie to you guys. I, I've, I'm, I don't know what, what it is with me personally, but I'm usually iffy with with new additions and changes and stuff to things I really like. Um, I, I, I guess I am kind of a holdout for things. Um, I've, I've played Pathfinder for for so long, and I've really enjoyed the the word, the rules formats. I've learned them, and I think they're fun, and I know how to work them some, but. You know, when then they announced 2E and I read through some of the rules and everything, it 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 scared me and I'm like kind of and I'm still kind of like iffy with it. But at the same time, I have this like deep innate excitement for it. Do, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I get I get that. I mean, you you love this so much that uh, you're afraid of like, no, don't don't change it. It's fine just the way it is. We're comfortable with it. Uh, but I mean, this is a whole new game that we get to go learn. Yeah, that's kind of like where there's excitement for me is because it's a whole new game to learn, and it's from us, and it's from like a trusted system. It's from the people that gave me a trusted system that I like so much. Well, this is not only a whole new game you get to learn. This is a whole new game that you have the opportunity to shape it because this is a play test. So they have a lot of rules jammed into the game right now. The rule books can be 400 pages long. So yeah, that one like took me back a little bit. If if you get engaged in it, you can actually shape what the game ends up actually being. You can share what you don't like. You can try to play the game and share what you don't like. You could read the book and say this doesn't work and post on the forums and other people will post too saying no, I think this works or yes, I don't think it works and they they will respond to what fans 
want in this game. That's how they design. That's how they're designing it. I think some of that 400 page count is definitely getting getting devoted to like Galarian IP that's becoming part of the the SRD for this one. I think. Yeah. They they mention they talk about how they're it's it's they they are infusing more of Galarian into the core book. Well, I think so, a lot of the page count is going to go to. Um, now you have things like um, four levels of success when you roll when you roll a when you roll a check. Oh no, I'm sure there's going to be lots of new rules. I'm just saying, don't expect that all that all of that 400 pages to be new rules because yeah. they are telling you that it's not that way. Yeah, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a lot of stuff, and it's probably going to surprise us when we actually see the book because there's going to be a lot of stuff that we don't even know about yet. Yeah, like we don't know how grapple works. I'm excited oh, to see I hope it. they fix Grapple. Yeah, that'd be nice. I, I mean, I like how, how Grapple works. works in Starfinder. It's probably going to be similar. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of Starfinder uh, mechanics in play. It's the same way you see Starfinder, or, or you see, um, what was that one they made? Uh, Unleashed, Pathfinder Unleashed mechanics in... Oh, um, yes. Or Pathfinder Unchained, I'm Unchained, sorry. Pathfinder yeah. Unchained. You find mechanics from that in Starfinder, too. You know, like, they're constantly testing the waters with new products to see what, you know, what sticks to the wall really well and what doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. So the this being a a, a playtest, Brian, you're right. It's gonna you know the shaping. It's it's gonna be us shaping it, and it, that really does excite me, especially um, with everything. Because I don't know with Pathfinder, they as it is now, they have put a lot into it, and so seeing how it to get tailor it basically tailor shaped to how we want it after this playtest goes through, and they start opening their forums and taking their their information notes through cons and whatever they're and however else they're going to do it. Oh, they're already doing it now. I'm promising. They they already did start. Okay. Oh, I I'm thought. sure they did. They, there's there's a ton of response and they're very responsive people and they're they're, you know, saying, "Oh god, everyone's losing their mind over this. We should, you know, maybe circle back around and I guess it would be asinine to think that they weren't already putting their ear to the ground to hear the the early rumblings. Oh, absolutely. For sure. For- from your designer perspective, where do you think they're at with the playtest right now? Oh, I'm sure they could release it right now, but they're they're you know seeing the stuff that they they are very sure is cool. Like they're definitely not going to change shield because that shit sounds dope as hell. But like um, yeah, no, don't change that. Other things that they might not be sure about, uh, they're you know maybe leaking it in a forum post somewhere and seeing like, well, does this you know how do people react to it? And so yeah, I'm sure they have enough right now where they could just they could probably release it, release it, uh, especially if, oh, oh, no, they definitely do because they ordered the books. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, it's done. The playtest is finished and they ordered the books because they need to print the books and they need to be here in time for a sale at Gen Con and they have to go through customs because they're being printed in China. So, no, for sure. Now, I want to do another quick little round robin and see um, what everybody is excited about. Mike, did you have anything you've heard? I know you're not as into following every single little thing as it comes out. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael. Um, uh, Michael, yeah. did you have anything you'd heard about that you're excited about about the playtest? Um, the the standard because the, the way I took it is like every you, in combat you get a, you get three standard actions now to do things. I, I want to. I'm excited to see how that works with that if I understood it right. That's they broke true. it down to just three actions. Period. An yeah. action is an action, and there's no different kinds. There's no um, freeze, swifts, or or quicks. And that includes movement. That includes um, what they're calling a step now, which replaces the five foot step from Pathfinder. So a step is an action. Um, yeah. There. So yeah. Every everything is an action except for talking. Yeah. So that 
so I read that, and it turns out I did read it right. That I'm, I'm, I think would be something that I'm fairly excited for to see how, because that, that to me personally, for how I think, that adds a new step of difficulty for me, and it would really cause me to use my brain more and than just like, okay, I'm gonna go over here, do this, blah blah blah. I actually have to go through and think about my movements instead of like, because it seems like with just the, it just being three standard actions now. You the have, average character could move 75 feet per round. If they wanted, yes. Yes. And an okay. elf can move 90. Holy crap. That's beautiful. And then if an elf gets the racial feat that let, gives them an extra five feet of movement, they have a speed of 35. So 35 times three. I'm not doing math. That's 105. <laughs> Thank you. 105 feet of movement per round oh. from a first it, level character. You know, Oh my gosh! So, but like, if you see, if you can get what you I'm saying. You can do that now in Pathfinder. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah, can. How would you do yeah. it now? You just take the run feet. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you're done. Doesn't Never mind. Uh, thank God that run is gone. That that I I I would tell I, I would be at tables a um, lot of the time with Pathfinder First Edition and go, I'm going to use run, and I, no, you can't. It, why not? Because there's an ally in the way. Run doesn't get stopped by allies. Yes, it does. It's just like charge. Show me where it says that. No, you can't. Okay, fine. <laughs> Never get Jesus. to run. Yeah. In other words, so man. Restrictions on it. Speaking of restrictions being removed, um, the charge has been changed into the sudden charge, which is an ability that fighters get where they can take two actions to um, do a double move and attack. That's exciting because for one, they don't have to do it in a straight line. Wait, what? Yeah, they don't have to do it in a straight line. So you can like do twists and turns and ballet yeah. runs. <laughs> yeah, um, they and it's two actions, so they have a third action left after they took a double move and attacked. And they could use that extra action for uh, iterative attack, right? Or for ready. Yeah, iterative attacks are now since you have three actions per round, you you make your first attack, and then each attack after is at a cumulative minus five penalty. If yeah. you're using an agile weapon, it's minus four. Oh wow. And I'm sure fighters get a bonus at higher levels that they can. There's got I really am about that. I think a lot of people are contentious about for poor reasons um, is that not everybody gets opportunity attacks anymore. You have to get it. So like how much time do you spend at the fucking table figuring out how to move through a combat without provoking opportunity attacks? Right. Such a waste of time. Well, like, now there now there's going to be a does this monster have a. Opportunity, opportunity attack. Thing, yeah, you're going to be asking that question with knowledge. Well, and not only that, but I guess maybe uh, the understanding I have of some things is um, the opportunity attack. You know, existing pretty much only for melee characters, but now giving like casters their reaction, like their opportunity attack, is a potential counterspell. Oh, that's great. Yeah, oh, exactly makes, how that should be. Yeah, which makes and, sense because no one. Well, takes that makes time sense. To, yeah, no one take no caster takes the time to ready an action to counterspell to you know like it it feels like um the classes are operating the way they should be um so it's, i guess kind of going back to the thing of like we have a rule set and let's try and jam everyone to work within this rule set it seems a little bit more high concept of let's give people reactions now how would this class react now how would that class react how would and it, it seems like i think it's a little bit more daunting um, to write all those different rules for each class, but it feels more like, yes, this is what I came to play. I love the fact that they've gotten creative with monster reactions. Mm -hmm. So, for example, an Earth Elemental has a reaction that if they get attacked um, and hit, 
they can turn into a pile of rocks and then just meld into the ground. <laughs> That's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, the uh, rogues get nimble dodge, which if they're targeted by a melee attack, they can say, I have a plus two bonus to my AC. So they have, like, opportunity to defense. Yeah, it feels... Oh, wow. Yeah, it just feels more like, yes, that's what that class would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be messy for multi-classing. Uh, right, which is honestly why I kind of... As much as I love multi-classing, yeah, but that's, that's because I'm like, a... Shit, that's going to be a fucking mess. Yeah, I mean, I love multi-classing because I'm a, I'm a min-max um, junkie, but I also, I guess that kind of goes back to my point of the experience that people get. You can't multi-class in video games, really. It's This is what my character does, and it does it to the best of its ability, and then you have to get a little creative and say, okay, well, uh, even though I'm a primary, a, primarily a blaster, I also get one crowd control, and I get like one dot, and then I have some movement powers. Even though I'm primarily the tank, um, I have some area effect sweeping attacks. I have these kinds of taunts, and then I have um, just a little thing that will let me heal. Um, have a little bit more well, not necessarily well-rounded character, because that's, I think, very defeatist and more bard-like, but just little dabbles of here and there, and this is what my character does. Well, that is some awesome points. We're almost out of time, so we got to do wish lists. Oh, we got to say, what do we want to see now? Um, Brent, you go first. Uh, hands down, decks to damage for um, uh, agile weapons, monk unarmed attacks, and ranged weapons. I feel like that is just... 5th edition got it right. It's what's been needed for a long time. Just do it already. Without having to feed tax it. You just right. get it. Yeah, you they, just do it. They have that to a degree in Starfinder. Not to a degree, but not enough. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, if they put decks to damage on lasers, it would be... It would be insane. Everybody yeah. would just put, make dex builds. Right, which you should because it's a space game. I don't... Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike? Prime? Mike Prime? In, in the off chance, Eric, that you are hearing this or any other golems are hearing this, please, please make a mature license. Please make a mature license and let me use it. Please. <laughs> That's it. Please. That's all I want you to do for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm sure everything else you have planned is wonderful and great, but for the love of God, I can't call it 3.75 compatible anymore, right? And nobody wants to do that anyway. It's better for everybody. Please, please, please. That's it. (laughs) I'm excited about everything they've already said. Um, I want to see Druid be playable. (laughs) I want to see Druid. You don't I yes. want to see Druid be something that you don't have to be a genius to play. Um, it, and I want to see Druid be something that someone coming in can say, I want to play a Druid who's never played a role-playing game and actually understand what they're doing. Um, you know, if I can just tack on like one more thing. Uh, sure. Uh, balance. Because I feel like the, uh, the core book of 5th edition and Starfinder both lack it. There are clearly classes that are far superior and classes that are far inferior. And I just want, as much as I say, I want this to be a deep game, then make all those options good and make them equal. I agree with you completely. I think um, Paizo really shit the bed with the Solarian and Starfinder. Uh, The Solarian and Envoy are practically unplayable. I play an Envoy. I like it. I play an Envoy too, but I readily admit that the Operative is a better skill monkey than the Envoy that's supposed to be the skill monkey. It's true. It's true. I agree. Oh, you that's not what I got out of the Envoy. 
I thought the envoy was like a, a the, the little a action junkie. Aren't they just like meant to give other people actions? Nah, if they're meant to, they don't do it very well. Okay, it's true. <laughs> they they're kind of bad bards. I have to play more. I only got to do like one or two quick games. I mean, I feel it's the same way with the fifth edition ranger. If you look at the core book, there's one path that's worthwhile. Um, Michael, what about you? Wish lists? Um, I kind of want to because they're like you were saying stuff about the. Uh, I think you said the druid. I that's that's kind of my wish too. Is but an, an expanse of more like the more ignored classes in Pathfinder. I would like to see them uh, have you know, not necessarily feats or anything, but just worked out to way be, to where they would become a more popular class. Like I want to see I want to see some rules. Some of the rules get worked in, in their favor and make them a little bit more fun to play. Like you said, don't have to be a super genius to come in and play some of them. I I agree. It, it's just I, I I hope that it's not like where it's like you have to tell new players, well, your only options are fighter and cleric because everything else is way too complicated for you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, I, I want to see that. I can because uh, like I'm reading the rule sets for for like summoners and druids now. It's incredibly like it's it, it, but just bends my mind a little bit especially with the summoner i like i have a hard time understanding how how half of their stuff works so in the new in the playtest when it finally like drops and how they finally do a final workout for the final drop i would like to see it to where it's like oh you're a summoner you can do this this and this and it's like awesome if you really want to blow your mind for complexity look at the shaman i people have told me that and i am too afraid to do that (laughs) i am too (laughs) afraid to look and um last but not least i just want to make point out we nobody has talked about it the goblin is a core race in pathfinder second edition um i think that's dope i don't understand why anybody wouldn't think that like they release a bunch of free weeby goblin adventures like what the fuck is wrong with you like oh my god (laughs) i wonder if they're gonna allow it in organized play i think Um, so yeah well i think that's one of the iconics is a goblin uh, so they have to yeah. yeah yeah i don't see why they wouldn't and they've they've added some lore into it that adventuring goblins aren't like they're they're not necessarily evil they're they're rebels. Ah, <laughs> that's a good angle. Yeah, they're they're they have a little bit more self control. I think they're the the beginning of the evolution into space goblins. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess they do have this huge universal plot to uh, play around with. What happened to Galarian? So um, we are at the end of our topic, and um, Mike and I are going to describe a movie badly. We're going to describe Colossal. Mike Prime and I are going to describe this. Yeah, but, I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, I, I will start it off with, it's about a, lazy, uh, it's about a lady who d- f- figures out that she can remote control a kaiju. Oh, she's a drunk, too. She's an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah, a, a drunk lady who can remote control a kaiju. Yeah, but she doesn't figure that out until after her like boyfriend kicks her out of the apartment in New York because she's an alcoholic. Yeah, a drunk lady who gets kicked out of her apartment and then learns that she can remote control a kaiju. Yes. Yeah. I like this format. Add another complication. Uh, it's only inside of a small jungle gym inside of her hometown uh, at like 8 in the morning. A-, a drunk lady who gets kicked out of her apartment and then finds out that she can remote control a kaiju. And and in a jungle gym, near her hometown, in her apartment. Um, and um, she has a friend who's really nice and also abusive dick who finds out he can remote control a giant robot. He's also an alcoholic, too. Yeah. And a hoarder, I guess. And 
a giant dick. <laughs> well, she wasn't a spring chicken, man. She was a pretty bitchy lady. Like, uh, yeah, that's the, the part of the movie. And part of the reason I don't think it was super popular is because there's no real like clear hero. Like there's definitely a hero, but it's more it's more like a Punisher kind of hero. The the movie that con- confuses me so much because they push this guy as being so nice and then they twist it into him being like the worst human being ever. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a really dark turn. She's pretty consistently the same the whole way throughout the movie. We got to give her credit for that. And at a deeper level, I have to say the movies probably has something it, it has something to say about human nature and toxic people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was a good movie all around. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, you guys make me want to see it more because I want to know who's a terrible person. Oh, you should totally see it. Oh, you're going to be so surprised. Yeah, you should totally see it. Um, there. So, um, um, Brent, um, this is where you tell people where they can find you and find your products and promote you know, the reason you're on a public platform, go for it. Uh, gotcha. So, uh, Vincent holiday on, uh, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon too soon as the first album, I will be recording the second one, final thoughts, uh, later this year. And I also want to do a quick, um, shout out, trying to pull out, you know, uh, you're going to put the web address for this anyways, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. I link Uh, everything. Um, but the other thing that I'm working on right now, on May 6th, we are doing a uh, Pathfinder Interactive Special for the Solstice Scar. Um, we are doing that alongside a raffle to raise money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, you can donate online, um, and you can get your raffle tickets. Uh, we've got all kinds of uh, race and player boons. We have splat books, uh, dice bags. Um, I have uh, at least one, possibly two exclusive charity boons that you'll only be able to get through this event itself um starfinder race boons and 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 books uh, some out of print books as well check out the link online donate money to um prevent suicide and try and get some pathfinder and starfinder uh stuff out of it sounds amazing does um mike prime Oh, oh oh before you go mike i'm sorry um i'm gonna let you finish (laughs) (laughs) um brett where do people find you on twitter because i find your twitter to be one of the funniest on twitter oh uh at brent 1337 at brent 1337 is amazing that's elite it (laughs) it really is brent says some of the funniest shit what did you post about power rangers oh uh i love that Sometimes I'll get a random thought in my head and Google things, and they already exist, like the uh, Xenomorphin Power Rangers. I'm going to let you finish, but real quick, you brought up Power Rangers. I actually bought the first issue for the Shattered Grid event uh, in their com- in the Power Ranger comics. Yeah, you were talking about that last week. You were about to go get it, I think. How was it? Yeah. I get- oh, my. This first issue was really good. The ending completely took me by surprise. Ah, cool. I don't know if you guys are going to want to read or anything, but like, so I didn't, I'm not going to do a spoiler, but it's just like whole at the end of it. I was just like, what, what the, what the fuck? So I can't wait for next month. I will come by sometime and read it. That will be, that will be what I do. Okay. Mike prime promote time. Okay. Uh, you can find my stuff and what I'm doing at Mike You should go there. There's lots of free, amazing things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Myler too. And if you play D&D 5e, right now I have a Kickstarter for uh, Imperial Matchmaker. It's dope. 
There's a lot of free stuff on the site. It's for a mega adventure and an adventure path and a book of like iconics or NPCs you can use as rivals for the party. Uh, it's great. If you don't play 5e and you play Pathfinder, and that might be what you're here for, uh, if you're still playing Pathfinder and you want to get like a great adventure to smash Nazis and also smash Nazis in real life, go to OperationNazisMasher.com and you can buy a copy of Operation Nazi Smasher and all the proceeds will go to the Southern Poverty Law Center and Black Lives Matter. If you ever want a really entertaining read, look at the look at the discussion posts for the product for Operation Nazi Smasher. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Nazis. You got attacked hard. Yeah, but you knew you uh, were gonna be. Yeah, that's what they are. And once you once you stomp around, that's the thing about Nazis—they're cowards. Show them that you're not, and they will they will melt away because that's what they do. I I'm for that whole thing. I remember when um um Wolfenstein was doing their promotion. And they started integrating their commercials into attacking real life Nazis and they got attacked hard and the company doubled down and it was fantastic. They convinced me to buy a copy of it. It's a great game, by the way. The new Wolfenstein. Yeah, that's New Order. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm interested in, at least giving a try out too. I want to punch Nazis in the face. And if you like punching a Nazi in the face, if you like twists, you have no idea. It's it. it caught, I thought the game was over like four times. I, yeah. Oh really? Yes. That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna give this a try. Yeah, just don't look at any posters for the game because they spoil the twist. Oh, they do. All right, yep. I won't look at any posters. I, I haven't looked at any uh, really any like art for it. So. Yeah, you just play it. Don't don't look up anything. <laughs> really, you you do not want to get that twist spoiled. It's fantastic. For oh, the Nazis coming from inside the house. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, Brent. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm excited. Oh, I don't have anything special I'm doing to share. Michael's reading um, Power Rangers, which I need to do because Michael's been bugging me to do a Power Rangers episode. I want to do a Power Rangers episode. We're going to have Anna Meyer back either next week or the week after because she went to Seattle and she has some big secret that What's she the secret? did. Um, I can't share it. Um, I know it, but I can't share it because it's actually happening today and I can't spoil it and I'd get her in trouble if I did. Is um, it a big deal? It's a big deal. Um, so this is Anna Meyer, fantasy cartographer, who's done all sorts of cool stuff for um, um, Greyhawk and um, I can't think of the name of the company. Mike, can you help me? Uh, Cobalt um, Press? Press. Cobalt Press. Press, thank you. Yes. Um, and she went to Seattle. And she's doing something cool. Um, and it's amazing, and I'm squeeing about it, but I can't share it, unfortunately. I'll, I'll tell you guys after we get off, because I can't talk about it on a public platform, but you, you'll, you'll be able to hear it. So um, so thank you. Thank you. Okay, that's all I got. Michael, close us out. <laughs> I am doing something else this week, you know, Brian. You already shared your one thing. You get one thing. I didn't share my one thing. I just I just Interrupted and shared your one thing. I did a pop-in. I did a pop-in. That's not my one thing. You know what, Michael? What is your one thing? I don't know if I want to tell you now. Is it shutting the fuck up? (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. Uh, No, uh, tonight after I get done working on the car, I'm actually going to run. I'm actually going to start a campaign using the campaign guide you got me, Brian. Ooh. Okay, I'm okay with hearing about this. What, What is the campaign guide I got you? The, the you got me the uh, Taldori campaign setting for uh, made, written by Matthew Mercer and uh, put out by Green Ronin 
and I'm using it. I'm running it with Pathfinder, not D&D, um, which it actually works out pretty well. And I'm going to be running a small party through it for a few sessions. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It, it's going to be great. I'm, I've been working on the uh, campaign for about a month, just taking small notes, getting things written up. But it was weird. The moment I started like actually getting into it and doing the serious work for it, uh, my schedule like at work exploded and I've had like no free time. So I actually hired an NPC stat blocker, a.k.a. my friend Wayne Abraham. He I had him write up some NPC stat blocks for me and it was great. So we're, we're going to do that tonight and we're going to kick it off and I'm excited for it. What time? We're going to we're going to start playing around seven tonight. Awesome. Yeah, I have to. Uh, I have like a bunch of friends at work who do play D and D and Final Fantasy, and they want me to live stream the, uh, the at least the beginning of the. Uh, yeah, of live the stream. Put it on the put it on the page. Yeah, I'm gonna put it. Through, I'm gonna run it through the Nerd Podcast page, and it's, yeah, um, everybody can excited. see how much of a drunk you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be beautiful. So, but yeah, that's my one thing. If any of you want to tell me to shut the fuck up, do it now. I hear, no, I hear at least one of no, because you won it. So now we <laughs> do it, do it. That's the that's the secret, listeners. Everybody who who emails us and accuses me of being <laughs> mean to Michael, Michael asked me to put him on a leash with a little hood and keep oh. him in my closet for a few weeks once, oh, just my. to give you an idea of his character. This is something he actually did. This is real. They're I'm gonna not believe it. Up. Shut up. <laughs> the fuck up brian <laughs> i mean that jokes about the whip earlier i didn't think you were really doing it i was like <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry michael i didn't i, I apologize it's insensitive of me and i i didn't realize uh you know just, michael you you should be proud of your lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> oh god on that note you want to close this out I think I better. It's going to get worse. <laughs> That's a good pup. Close us up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Today we talked about Pathfinder 2E. Uh, basically the test play on what they're going to be putting out for the second edition. That's going to be coming out, I think they said, like, next year? Yeah, I think Gen Con uh, 2019. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we talked about that, and you know, we all have our hopes, our wishes, our dreams, and our wonders for it, and a, a few of the favorite rules that were that are in the playtest that we're just super excited for. If you want to, if you want to hear book. more, go over to the Glass Cannon podcast. They did a four-part playtest where they yeah. went in detail, and you can find out more at the Paizo blogs as well. Yeah, exactly. So. I had a lot of fun talking about this today. It was really good, uh, especially our our nice long tangent about Miyamoto Musashi. That was <laughs> amazing. So, and I, I'm I'm happy for our two guests that we had here, uh, Mike Myler or Mike Prime, and Brent Bowser had a great time talking with you guys. I'm so glad you were both on this episode. Yeah, thank you so much, and thank you so for being patient with a crowded Skype room. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's tough when it when it's kind of when it gets crowded, but I'm so glad you guys are back. And whether you guys come back together or you come back on your own episodes, like one each, either way, we want you guys back. You guys are some of the great, are some of the best guests. And you know, I've been your host, Special Mikey, along with who was Super Vegan Brian. Goodbye, Buttercups. <laughs> uh, Mike, veteran game designer Myler, also known as Mike Prime. Adieu. And Brent Bowser. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna win. <laughs> and you know, this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. And as always, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Awesome. Say goodbye, Mike. Brian, come on. Yay! Thanks for listening to our nerd show. <laughs>
Podcast Radio. Radio.